Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 571. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Grow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Details Flower Software, a platform specifically designed to help florists and designers do more and earn more. With an elegant and easy-to-use system, Details improves profitability, productivity, and organization for floral businesses of all shapes and sizes. Grow your bottom line through professional proposals and confident pricing with Details all in one platform. All friends of the Slow Flowers podcast will receive a seven-day free trial of Details Flowers software. Learn more at detailsflowers.com. My guest today is Kelsey Ruland, owner of Foxbound Flowers, a floral studio offering same-day delivery to the Eugene, Oregon marketplace. Her brand offers electric vehicle delivery, responsible sourcing, zero waste, and non-single-use plastics, as well as locally and U.S.-grown flowers and plants. I'm especially fascinated with Kelsey's flower shop hacks. She uses everything from upcycled cardboard and floral sleeves to create a second use for many materials that would otherwise land in the garbage or fill her recycling bin. You'll see a few of those tricks in our interview if you hop on over to Slow Flowers Podcast for episode 571, where I've included the replay video of this conversation. I visited Kelsey when I was in Oregon last month, eager to hear her story. She was born and raised in North Dakota, and Kelsey says she and her family moved to Eugene to explore the mountains and big trees, enjoy the Pacific coast, the culinary scene, and frankly, to seek a warmer climate. You will hear in our conversation that Kelsey has worked in the floral industry since 2008, previously owning a full-service retail flower shop in Bismarck, North Dakota, which specialized in wedding and event work. Her wedding florals have been featured on popular blogs such as Wedding Sparrow, Magnolia Rouge, Style Me Pretty, and Dainty Obsessions, and in the magazine Rock and Roll Bride. When not arranging flowers, Kelsey enjoys hiking, playing the piano, painting, and baking. And as you will learn from our conversation, she is a true maker, adding ceramics and pottery and woodworking to her business to enhance one-of-a-kind offerings for customers. Let's jump right in and meet Kelsey Bruland. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Show. And I'm so thrilled today to welcome Kelsey Ruland of Foxbound Flowers based in Eugene, Oregon. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad this worked out. And true confessions, everyone. I visited Kelsey in person 
and saw her studio when I was in Eugene last week. And um, for some reason, the recording didn't work. So we're, we're doing this over Zoom now. But I have first person, in-person experienced your studio, Kelsey. It's just adorable. Thank you so much for hosting me last week. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I get to see you twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out how I would describe Foxbaum flowers based on, you know, all the amazing amazing resources you have on your website and meeting you and um your tagline is same day flower delivery to Eugene, Oregon. You built Foxbaum flowers around these four four legs of the stool of sustainability. You have electric vehicle delivery, responsible sourcing, zero waste, and non-single-use plastics. And I know there's so much more, but um, those are the things that your customers respond to, right? Yeah, definitely. There's um, the people in this community really are looking for sustainable businesses. So it's been, it's been a great way to, to market myself um, and set myself apart from other florists in the area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how Foxbound Flowers is set up. You have a studio that looks like a storefront, but you really don't offer walk-in um, services. You try to move everybody to phone or online ordering, right? I do. And that's for a couple of reasons. I did have a full service shop um, in the previous city I lived in, which I loved. And it was great interacting with customers. Um, that would walk in the shop, I do kind of miss that part. But I wanted to kind of streamline the business, um, be able to leave the studio when I want to leave the studio and not feel like I'm obligated to be here all the time. And I'm just kind of tethered to the shop. So that's um, one part of it. Um, The other part is to keep um, overhead costs low. Um, When you have people walking in in a retail setting, you know, you always have to have enough product on hand to make it look good. Mm. So you always have to have something. Whereas in the um, studio setting where I just do uh, arrangements made to order, I can keep my inventory lower and I don't have to have all that extra inventory. That's a really good point. And you can be there working, but you maybe you're only there for a couple hours, but then you're out on deliveries and then you're you know, not that you have an easy life because you're a mom, but you know, you're, you go on to other things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so let's break down those, those sort of four themes. I'd love to just uh, have you give some examples. Like, first of all, on you're in Eugene, Oregon, there are so many uh, established and also newer flower farmers in Oregon. How are you uh, sourcing? Um, you know, what are your main go-to um, resources, uh, either from wholesalers or farmers? Sure. Um, there are a lot of flower growers here, which makes it really fun. Um, because the growing season is so long and the weather is so nice. Uh, there's tons of options. There's almost too many. And sometimes I have to remind myself, like, I can't order all the flowers. (laughs) I have to limit myself and, and otherwise I'll just like order all of them and I'll be like, why, why did I order this much stuff? So oh there really, there really are more flowers being grown here than people to purchase them, um, which is, it's, um, it's really nice. So yeah. it gives me a lot of selection, um, but none of the, uh, most of the flower growers are really small. They're on a mm-hmm. really small starting scale. And so um it does require a lot of legwork of um, contacting all those individual growers, finding out what they have, kind of piecing together what I'm going to have for the week. Um, 
So that does take a lot of extra work. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. in the winter, I source from a wholesaler in Portland, Frank Adams. um, And they source, I I make sure that they, I know where my stuff is coming from, that the, um, my salesman knows where the stuff is coming from. And it it gets sourced from um, other places in Oregon and then just California, Mm -hmm. which narrows the palette quite a bit. But um, I think you just have to get more creative with a smaller palette. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, though, because I was just um, interviewed Peter Court Roses, and they told me that they sell not just only through Oregon Flower Growers Association, but through Frank Adams. So they, you know, they're they're aware aware that designers buy from different wholesalers and they want to try to get their roses, their Oregon grown roses into your hands. So, um, but that's being a one woman show. It's hard for you to be away from the studio, going to pick up product all the time in a perfect world. It would be delivered to you. Right. Yeah. And some of the growers do deliver it, um, Mm -hmm. which is really nice. And some Mm -hmm. don't. So Mm -hmm. um, just kind of pick and choose depending on how much time they have, but it is fun to visit the farms too. It's, that's Absolutely. Really part of the job, so. Absolutely. So the um the other two kind of go hand in hand, the zero waste business and the zero use of single use plastics. How did you develop that philosophy? And like give us some examples of the things that you're um that you've had to adapt or change to avoid <laughs> using, <laughs> you know, having waste and, and using, you know, single use plastics. Yeah. Um Well, it was sort of a process um, when I was setting up my business. I just, um, when I was setting up Foxtown Flowers, which I started in 2019, I decided that I wanted to go sustainable from the beginning and set those things into motion from the very, and and get it into the very framework of the business rather than um, trying to um, implement it into Mm -hmm. systems that would already exist. So Mm -hmm. I thought that would be easier. I think. I, it's, I bit off a lot and I think I didn't quite understand what I was getting into. Um, so it's been quite challenging. And sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, why did, why did I decide to do this? Right. Um, but the, I would say the interesting thing is that you, when we'll talk a little bit about this, your other retail store was more conventional, um, before you moved to Oregon. So you, you kind of knew what you didn't want to do. So you just had to be creative and, and and basically find educational, you know, teach yourself how to, right. how to change. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, a lot of the changes um, aren't hard. They just take more time. And mm-hmm. as we all know, in the floral industry, time is the most precious commodity and every second counts. So, um, so you have to make time for those things by being more efficient at something else or, um, kind of uh, finding the time to do those things mm-hmm. like, um, you know, uh, weighing all my compost, for example, like that takes extra time. And um, so I do weigh all my compost, but we do have a great composting program here, which I aren't, isn't available in all cities. So, right. um, so I, that's where 90% of my waste goes. That's crazy. You, how do you weigh it? Um, I just have a scale and I put the entire, uh, I keep all my compost in like a big uh, trash bin mm-hmm. and that, that's on wheels. And then I just weigh the entire trash bin at the end of the day and record it. And then 
um, keep track of how much I'm composting, how much I'm throwing in the trash. Um, but we have a great system. And so I can just take it out to the cur- or to the um, alley yeah. every night and it, and it gets picked up. So, wow. so that's all your greens, all your, you know, any kind of cuttings, that's all just constant going straight into the municipal composting program. Yep. Wow. So the other things about waste that when I visited you, I was so interested in is that you you recycle a lot of cardboard for and and other materials for everyday deliveries, and that you've 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 made an intentional choice to design a custom foxbound flowers solution rather than just buying a product. And I I really admire that. Yeah, I want to. um, One of the things I try to do too is just to um, use less new products. If there's Mm -hmm. something that already exists in the world that's at my fingertips, like why not just kind of recreate it and use it instead of manufacturing something new? Um, I mean, it is much easier and takes less time to just buy it new. But um, yeah, like you said, cardboard, for example, um, there's cardboard everywhere. We're, We're like swimming in cardboard. So um, if I can use the cardboard, why not? So, for example, um, kind of back you up here so you can. Um, I made my own, fashioned my own um, carrier, like a, a vase carrier, out of repurposed cardboard and then just some um, cardboard, like packaging tape. Mm-hmm. And let me find a vase here. So you have your, you have your own branding on the the seal, basically. I do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of plop these in here to show you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just goes in like that. So it's just cutting a piece of cardboard to size. And then that's what I can send with the customer when they do come to pick up an arrangement. Okay. So and so that, that, and you changed the opening to fit the vase, basically the, yeah. the, the scoring. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I, I have um, like this much pre-made. And then mm-hmm. when the customer comes, depending on the size of the vase, I can just cut the opening to size. That's amazing. So, wow. Yeah. So no new materials with that. Um, one of the other things I do is I offer a lot of bouquets without vases. So, you know, plenty of people have vases at home already. So there's no sense if you already have that to First of all, purchase a new vase, but then we don't need to manufacture more vases that are just going to end up in someone's attic. Okay, so I have a bouquet of flowers. Beautiful, I know. Um, (laughs) uh, One of the problems I came up against was, um, okay, I have a loose, like a wrapped bunch of flowers. I can't just lay it on someone's door and leave. So it needs to have a water source. um, And I don't want to use foam or plastic. Um, so what I do is I cut circles of the packaging material that the plants get shipped in or the flowers get shipped in. I repurpose that, cut it into a little circle, um, put it on the bottom of the flowers and it acts as a water source. Reuse rubber bands from, um, the bunches (laughs) of flowers I get in and then, um, create a temporary vase out of cardboard, which is just similar to your other, your other gadget. Yeah. Yep. It's just a simple piece of cardboard cut into a triangle and you can leave that on someone's doorstep 
then it has water, the, the flowers stay upright. And so smart. Using no new materials. And the recycled uh, plastic uh, film that for the sleeves, um, you, you, first of all, there's, you get way more than you, you feel horrible throwing it in the garbage. So obviously yeah. um, you're giving it a second life at least. Can you put water in that? Like, do you normally pour a little water in there? I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you a little did. vessel. It becomes a little it vessel is. then. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah, interesting. Yeah. So you can just add water right in there before you yeah. fasten it up. That's wonderful. Wow. So you um, also, uh, because you're doing deliveries, you said that, uh, and well, I'm going to add, a, I did shoot a little video of going with you in your electric car. So we'll add that to it, this because I have that on my phone and people will like to see it. But you d- intentionally built this, uh, in, you know, zero carbon emissions uh, use of, of your transportation vehicle into the business. Uh, you have the cutest little car. And how did that come together, come about? Um, actually, I had, um, I was interviewing for some positions for some delivery people. Mm. Um, and one of the people I really wanted to hire, but they didn't, they had like a, like a two-door sports car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's not really, that's not really going to work. Um, that's not so on I brand thought, for you. <laughs> on brand. I think people might be a little confused about that. Um, so um, I realized I needed to get my own delivery vehicle, but you know, it, vans are really expensive. It wasn't quite in my budget range. So I was thinking, well, I just need, really, I just need something really small um, to fit a few bouquets in. And that's, that's all I need. So I was looking at, um, you know, something that's like a glorified Vespa, mm-hmm. uh, basically with a, you know, a back on it. But, um, and then I, I landed on this Fiat 500E that's just this tiny little car. It's basically a glorified go-kart, but <laughs> has protection from all the elements, obviously, and is 100% electric and um, it's actually a really affordable electric car. A lot of electric cars are, are not very affordable, but this tiny car is, was quite affordable. And so, um, we put some, uh, marketing on the side of it mm-hmm. and got it wrapped and away we went and people love it. They, they, you know, they see that on my website and they'll tell me like, well, I picked your shop because you have, you do electric deliveries. So, mm-hmm. and you said that you have a radius of about nine or 10 miles, uh, of, from downtown Eugene. Is that uh, for your kind of where your service area is? Yep. Yep. And you can fit a lot of bouquets in the back of that when the seats are down, right? You really can. Yeah. It's worked really well. You know, when I do like big weddings and, and insulation pieces, I have to use a, di- a bigger vehicle, but mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise it's been, it's been perfect for everything I need. And I plug it in at night when I get home from work and, um, <laughs> I get about 120 miles out of it daily. So it's, it's just the perfect thing. That is so impressive. Well, Hey, I want to pop up your website so we can just kind of look at how you are setting up your online. Okay. So now we're going to get the second video. Thanks for your patience. And we'll go right to Kelsey's website. Here's your logo of your clever little sporty fox. <laughs> and I this is a made-up word, fox bound, right? It is, yeah. 
I really like it though. It has this energy to it. And maybe because this fox looks like she's leaping, it kind of uh, is your, she's your avatar, right? <laughs> yeah. I wanted something that was really dynamic and um, held a lot of energy in it. So mm. that's. Mm-hmm. I think it works. And that's yeah. by the way, the graphic on your uh, little Fiat. So very recognizable around town. Yeah. Um, so your tagline is Eugene Sustainable Florist. And what happens if I click on learn more? Should I click on that? Yeah, you should. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. often visit my own website. So uh, that's all right. I know. Well, it's all on here. The responsible product sourcing. You talk about where you're sourcing from to keep your carbon footprint smaller. The electrical vehicle flower delivery. Of course, this looks like it was before you painted your cute car. Yeah, or is this... that was before I got the wrap. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll, people will get to see that. And then the reducing the need for new materials. Hey, this is a really great. Uh, we didn't actually talk about this last week until the right when I was leaving, but I noticed you had these wooden boxes that are so charming. And how did that come about? Um, we had so we. My husband and I have a six foot fence in our backyard and we had to replace some of the panels of it. And then we just had all these uh, wood panels stacked up and it's really beautiful wood. It's patinaed. It has moss and lichen growing on it um, due to all the like the the rain and the wet weather in Oregon. So um, I just got an idea like, hey, we should build something out of this. I Mm. need floral. I need floral containers and this wood's just sitting here with no purpose. So my husband helped me um, uh, cut the wood and put mm-hmm. them together and and size them correctly, um, and they've been a they've been a big hit. So I've also put the word out that you know when other people are getting rid of fences, I can take the wood. And there's always there's so many fences in this city, um, so there's always wood that needs a home <laughs> needs to be repurposed. So it works out pretty it. good. I love it. And so there's basically four sides and then some kind of bottom. Uh, and then you insert a, a recycled vessel into uh, kind of hold the water, right? Yeah, there's two sizes. The smaller size, which I think is the one in the photo, is sized to fit just a, a can, like an, a, a metal can, like a can of tomatoes or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, And then that can be recycled when you're done. The larger size holds like a uh, a yogurt container, mm-hmm. like a plastic yogurt container, mm-hmm. which can't be recycled here in Eugene. So people just have like tons of yogurt containers that they're, <laughs> you know, they don't want to throw away and they're happy to find out that someone can reuse them um, and give them another life. And then the wooden, the wooden uh, box makes it like have this gorgeous character to it. I I just love it. So that's kind of a, that's, you're really a product developer. I think Kelsey, I mean, you came up with that. You've come up with the uses for cardboard. Um, This is of course mentioned, Oh, look at this. You mentioned actually how much waste was diverted by basically by the steps you take to weigh and calculate what's, what's left at the end of the day. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And I should clarify that I'm, I don't know how important it is, but I'm not certified zero waste. Um, the certification process is actually quite expensive. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's, um, that has been kind of a learning curve for me as I realized I wanted to be zero waste is there's not a lot of information out there on 
how to be zero waste or what you do or how you get certified. Um, so there, there are a few companies that can certify you, but it is, it is really expensive. Right. Um, well, it'd be more but, like for a large manufacturer or somebody, not a, a right. solopreneur, but you're, you're right. still walking the talk and, and that's, that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, so this is on the flower ordering page. You charge $10.99 for delivery, which seems very competitive. I mean, I'm sure with fuel costs now, everybody's increasing their delivery fee because of like the gas surcharge, but you don't have to charge that. Right, right. So yeah. So here's <laughs> so here are some like you're basically developing products that um are uh, people can order order specifically a, a type of vessel or a size, and then in many cases it's designer's choice, right? Um, I do have a designer's choice option, but the bouquets that are shown on my website are like if you order that, what you see is what you get, or wow. it's going to be so close that you know if you're not a florist, you can't tell the difference, or it's going to mm. have pretty much the same look. So I think it's important to be able to have that option. Um, a lot of people don't know anything about flowers. Um, if they don't know you, they, they don't know what to expect. So I think it's really important to offer, offer things that you know what you're getting, the picture shows you what you're getting and that's what you're getting. I think you're right. I mean, you're trying to think about like what is the most user-friendly way for people to engage with box-bound flowers. And uh, yeah, especially if they're new to this type of flower uh, ordering you're kind of doing the thinking for them. This Bonita caught my eye. This You had one much like this when I visited you last week. Um, and it shows, sort of shows this, um, your design aesthetic too, where you vary the heights of the flowers. Some are, some are low and clustered. Some are like tall and perky. And you have also flowers that many people are familiar with, like the peach lilies. You'd say that they're fragrant free and you you know, you don't need a whole bouquet of roses, but just one or two roses then makes people feel like they're getting some special value for that. Mm -hmm. And that price is amazing. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, some of the more common flowers like the lilies and roses often get overlooked because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think they're great flowers, but I think, we, <laughs> uh, you know, they have been overused. Yeah. And so a lot of people, you know, will tell me they don't want those in their bouquets, but I think if you put them with the right stuff and you use them in moderation, they can be, they can be really beautiful. So oh, I, like, I, love I, it. I like to incorporate those and they're, you know, one thing with a lot of sourcing, a lot of local flowers is that there aren't a lot of big focal flowers to source. A lot of them are really small flowers. So um, the lilies and the roses that are grown in Oregon are a really good way to incorporate a larger focal flower, which otherwise you'd have these big bouquets full of little tiny flowers and they'd be a lot more expensive. So, yeah. And then at certain times of the year, you get the focal peony or this, as you see in this one, the sunflower or maybe the dahlias, but it, it you have to switch it up constantly to keep up with what's in bloom. Um, I wanted to just specifically look at this one because of this vase, which is so charming and it says, thank you. And I absolutely love it. And the fact that you are making your own ceramic or pottery vessels just blew my mind. So <laughs> it looks like this one, for example, if they, 
if they want a classic glass face of $65.99. And then what is what happens? Oh, so the charge goes up like $30 to get the vase, which is also an incredible price. So can you talk about how these vases came to be? And I'll see if I can, are there others on here? I'll see if I can find a few others to show people. Um, Yeah, there's, um, there's one of the, like the fuchsia background and um, it's right at the top. It's just right here. um, This one has, okay. This one also has, that one does too. Yeah. This has the teal, the sort of, that's stunning, by the way. What a gorgeous oh, arrangement. Cool. Wow. So the pottery um, is just like, I ta- I described you last week when I met you and realized how creative you were, that you're like a floral MacGyver. Like you just, <laughs> you, uh, MacGyver designer, you just like figure it out. And so the, how did that come to be the pottery? Part of that is sourcing. I wanted to be able to source um, the vases I wanted and not have to ship them from China. Mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't a lot available for that. Um, the other part is the pandemic, which uh, glass and pottery became ridiculously unavailable, especially mm. um, especially for someone who's picky about their aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, it really got to be like a beggars can't be choosers. You don't want to get this like generic 1980s looking glass vase, which exactly. isn't your aesthetic, right? <laughs> yeah, and I really like... Um, I use a lot of clear glass, but Mm -hmm. I really am looking for some really basic pieces that are not clear glass because Mm -hmm. I think glass can be kind of distracting when you're talking about aesthetics. So um, I, yeah, but I could never find what I wanted. So I just thought, well, how hard can it be? I'll just make some. (laughs) It turns out it's really hard. So I'm still working on that, but I love making things. So it's still a work in progress. Um, Oh, so oh, some of the vessels. So um, these these are stunning. So do people um, buy them separately, or are they mainly to go with the a floral arrangement? They're mainly to go with the floral arrangement, and um, I, I probably will offer them separately. I don't feel like you know if you look really close at these, they're not like obviously they're not professionally made. Um, so they're still, they're still in progress. I'm still perfecting my skills. So you're being hard um, on yourself. I think that you're, <laughs> you've come up with this, um, hand-built kind of, sl- I mean, I took pottery in high school, so I kind of remember this, like you roll out the clay, you shape it and, and it's not a wheel. It's, it's by hand, it's hand, hand built. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you're choosing that beautiful, those glaze options, which kind of also fit with your brand, that teal, mm-hmm. um, and I think that the rough, the rusticness of it is just fits with your brand too. It's really modern and having the thank you imprinted into the clay. Brilliant. I'm going to order one for my friends. I stay with in Eugene then, because then that will be, I'll be your first customer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, talk a little bit about your path. I, I find it really fascinating that you moved across country and, just for a change of lifestyle, but it was a big, it was a big change for you. And uh, what, what, tell us a little bit about how, what led you to come to the West coast? Well, we were in a position to just kind of decide that we wanted a change. So, which I know that has a lot of privilege to just be able to move across the country because you want to. Um, We have a daughter and my daughter was getting to the age where we felt like 
we needed to decide where we wanted to be and then stay there until she's done with high school. Mm -hmm. And we felt like that time was narrowing. And if we stayed, we were going to stay for the rest of our lives, which would be fine. Like we loved it there. And you Um, were in, you were in North Dakota, right? I was in, yeah, we were in Bismarck, North Dakota. um, And we loved our community, but we just wanted to get out and see what else is out there. Because you were, um, so you, you were born and raised there, right? right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, my sister moved to the West coast. She moved to Eugene a couple of years before we got here and we looked around, we're like, wow, it has mountains and ocean and all these beautiful plants growing. This is going to be the place for us. So, so here we are. Oh my gosh. Opened right before the pandemic hit. So, right. Yeah. So you opened Foxbound Flowers in 2019 and you were saying that it was um, because you probably worked on the business for quite a while before you actually launched. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you found a space, you had to build a website, you had to find, so, I mean, you had to start from scratch basically. Mm-hmm. Um, what led you to look at your old flower shop in North Dakota and what you liked or didn't like about that type of business to you started to talk about changing from retail to studio but you also changed from conventional like floral foam practices and maybe you know that sort of um palette to this new aesthetic um that was that was like a 180 for and it would be really difficult for a lot of florists I think I think it's just a sense of like duty and responsibility I mean I look at how much uh, garbage my floral shop was producing and I was you know even when you're recycling your cardboard it was still like a dumpster full of cardboard on the weekly um, wow. and just look at all those products that are just wasted it was kind of heartbreaking and when I switched from when I stopped using foam um, it was quite an adjustment and it was hard because we used a lot of foam because it's so easy. It's a brilliant product. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we switched and kind of just like got used to it, it was a lot easier. Um, so then I was searching for products to use instead of floral foam. So I thought like um, uh, poultry netting, like the wire mesh, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. bases, but um, that I thought was kind of like a seemed like a tetanus hazard and customer <laughs> who was like pulling it out of their vase and they've got this big wad of yeah. to deal with. So then I switched to plastic poultry netting and then I realized like, well, now I'm just like creating this plastic waste that like mm-hmm. little animals can get their heads stuck in. And um, so I'm like, well, I'm okay. I'm done. I'm going to totally switch this around and, um, I, I guess part of me just wanted to prove that it could be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's great. It's not, it's not the norm, but it could be, but it's, it's hard to set that up when you already have systems in place. Um, but there are little things that even if you have a, a, a floral shop or a studio that's not geared towards sustainability, there are really small steps you can take. Um, and so part of the, the products I'm creating is I would like to be able to offer those to other florists in the future so they can take those steps. Um, and as an industry, maybe we can, you know, kind of create some change on our own. Well, I'm really excited to see where that goes for you because you have um, mainly used your own pain points to develop 
all these solutions uh, that work for you. Um, I also think maybe your your change from maybe being a wedding and event focused designer to an everyday florist, um, your aesthetic changed and maybe you didn't need foam as much because of the type of bouquets that your customers either hand tied or in a vase, right? Yeah, I have been still doing some weddings. I did a, a archway installation yesterday. Um, and, and that has been a learning curve without foam because right. um, they're all just something <laughs> way easier with foam. So, and it's like 90 degrees out and um, wh- what did you end up doing? <laughs> um, actually it turned out really well. Um, I did use some, I save like little plastic bags and stuff. I just like save everything. I, I feel like my mom, <laughs> I save all these little things like bread bags or whatever. Um, and then I use that just as I showed you on the bottom of the bouquet, mm-hmm. that's the bottom of a bunch of the flowers that are in the installation piece, put a water source in there. And then it, it, the mechanics of it were hidden by greenery in there. Right. Was, um, right. Some uh, fabric that was draped over it. So everything had a water source with no foam. Um, but it has been, it's been a learning curve for that too. It takes a while to get used to, creating those, um, mechanics. Right. Right. That's, that's brilliant though. Um, yeah, I think that the, uh, the idea of finding products that, uh, you could market could just be a great expansion for your business that, you know, that you're using and, um, that other florists would use too, if they had, had it available to them. So keep us posted on that. That is so cool. Um, you also do a lot of education on social media. I love watching your Instagram feed. You're always showing people how to do, you know, some hack. And, um, the one that caught my eye, maybe we'll share a link to it in our show notes was you took the strapping tape from boxes and made it into a tote bag. And it was so creative. That <laughs> was so adorable, but a lot of work. What possessed you? I mean, obviously you probably hated throwing away all that, that, um, you know, plastic. Yeah. Um, that's basically it is I want to find a use or a reuse for everything with, um, being zero waste has really helped me think about my waste more and how much I am producing. So, and those straps are so strong. I thought like, there's gotta be a use for like super strong plastic, like to hold something up or, I don't know. I, and I just love, I'm a maker. I love making things. I'm happy when I'm making things. So, um, eventually I landed on like, well, I should like weave a basket or something. And so I settled on a tote bag and, um, yeah, just made, just made a couple of tote bags in there. Awesome. Because they're so durable. You can just, um, <laughs> I just popped up the video here. <laughs> Yeah, um, they do take a long time, but like if you're, if you like, if you like making things, if you, it's no different than knitting, you know, it's a project you can work on, you know, a little bit at a time. No, no, no. This just looks like super professional. This isn't like some junky thing. Oh, look how cute that is. I just love it. But you did, do you have a crafty background or some, something that prompted you to figure out the pattern. I just kind of winged it Mm. on my first, the one on the video is not the first one I made. Okay. Um, but I, I've never woven anything before, but it's pretty, I mean, the concept is pretty basic. Yeah. Um, you know, over, under, over, under, that's (laughs) about it. So, um, yeah, eventually I'd like to, I, I can't make 
tote bags out of all the plastic straps. So I want to be able to give kits to people with the straps and directions on how to do it. So, so that's another product coming, coming soon. Yeah. Coming soon. Exactly. Oh my gosh. You're so creative. I love it. Well, I know you're teaching a workshop today, so your studio can accommodate a smaller group of people. Like how many, how many people can you accommodate? Like 12 or 15 or? Um, Yeah, I would say 12 is probably pretty comfortable. Yeah. Depending on the, depending on the project and how much room it takes a small project, 10 to 15. So what, what is today's workshop? Um, today's workshop is, um, just, you get to come in and fill a quart jar with whatever flowers I have that you want. So oh wow, um, I've kind of opened up the studio to people. Um, I, I offer something called flower therapy, which is just uh, people can come in and be a florist and they get kind of like use full use of the flower studio. They get to pick what flowers they want to use. And they just kind of get to hang out here with their pals and just, it's, it's relaxing and people yeah. really love it. So that's been kind of a fun way to, to build a community and get to know faces since I don't have that retail interaction. Mm-hmm. Are you pretty much marketing to your people who previously ordered from Foxbound or received a Foxbound uh, bouquet or is it also on just people on social media? who follow you? Um, a lot of people on social media. Yeah. And people that subscribe to my email list. Um, and then, yeah, that's about, that's about that's it. So, so fun. We'll have a yeah. fun time today. Well, thank Kelsey, you. I, anything else I didn't ask you that you want to make sure that we touch on? Um, you just have so much going on for a one woman show. I'm, I'm really impressed. But if, you know, if there are other florists who are wondering about zero waste or if, they're wondering like what small steps they can do to be more sustainable, to reach out to me. And maybe you can put my email address or something um, sure. on a link um, because but it's hard to find that information and there's not a, a ton of resources or like, uh, or mentors for that. So mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. be happy to answer questions and, and help people with that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. It's like, if you have this, take a small step, don't try to take it all on at once, but just, you know, f- find one facet of your floral business that you could maybe do a little bit better than have a v- small victory and then maybe go on to the next one. Cause it sounds like it's this ever, it's ever changing because of the economy and the global supply chain and all the things we're up against. Um, you're, your unhappiness with crappy glass vases is what prompted you to go learn how to do ceramic vases. Like yeah. you've, you found a solution and I think any, everybody should, instead of feeling trapped or stuck or like you have no choice, there are solutions. They might just require yeah. a little sweat equity. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I know like not everybody's going to have time to do those things. Yeah. And so, um, but there are some like re- reusing your cardboard, for example, that's, something that's fairly easy, fairly accessible that anyone can do. Well, and you could calculate how many, um, how many deliveries in a year are using recycled cardboard and you could compare it to what you would have purchased if you bought those pre-made, you know, scored boxes from the, the wholesaler, probably a couple dollars a piece. And you've already know how much you're saving just by, by repurposing. So. I mean, yeah. everything has a dollar value to it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I am going to end this video with the little clip of when, right when I was saying goodbye to you last week, you said, don't you want to spin in the, uh, in the Foxbound flower electric, uh, delivery vehicle and we took a little ride and I did film that on my phone so I'm going to add that so people can see you in action <laughs> it was great I loved it and I, I just love what you're doing and I'm so glad I got to share your story with people and uh, more to come because you've got you've got all kinds of it, your limitation is time you've got more ideas than time so I'm interested to see <laughs> <laughs> what comes next um and i'll share some photos of uh some of kelsey's arrangements and when we post this at slowflowerspodcast.com um but in the meantime have a great day and thanks so much for re-recording this with me <laughs> it's been fun deborah it's been great i really admire what you're doing thank you so much yeah thank you uh-huh. Okay. Hi, Kelsey. We're in your car. Did you turn it on? I did. Yep. Okay. It's very it's quiet. We're ready to go. Yep. Okay, great. Um, I get about, oh my gosh, can you see the dust? No, it's no dust. Some, it's very, it's very nice. It's, uh, I get about 120 miles, 120 mile range on it daily, which is just about what I need. You That's know, amazing. Some days I don't use it all. Some days it gets really close, but 120 miles really does the trick. And before you take it home and charge it, you mean? Right. Yep. And it charges using a regular plug-in, like a household plug-in. No way. So I didn't have to install anything Some special, special adapter or whatever. Right. Yeah. So um, the climate is perfect for this car here. I don't think that it would work well, like with really wintry conditions. Would you have used it in North Dakota? No, yeah. not at all. Um, I don't think I would even get a good charge on it when it's sure. really cold weather, but here it works really cool. Okay, I'm going to turn this back here so people can see how big it is in terms of you could probably fit, what, a dozen arrangements back here? Yeah. And that's yeah. probably all you'd want to take out it's, in it's any really given time. So when I do have like a wedding where I need more storage capacity, I have another vehicle I can use, but... This is just great for day-to-day -day stuff. Here we are, driving through Eugene. This is great, Kelsey. Thanks for the little road trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, very, it's very smooth ride. <laughs> it is. It's fun to drive, too. It's got... I mostly drive like a grandma to <laughs> keep my... So conserve mileage, but it does have a lot of zip. So if you want to get around really fast, you can. She's leaping like a some, yeah. She's leaping like a fox. Got some get up and oh, go. Oh, I, I have felt that. That's great. so much for joining me today. That was a great conversation and I hope you grabbed a few takeaway tips for your own floral enterprise. I know I did. You can visit slowflowerspodcast.com as I said to watch the replay video of today's conversation. Look for episode 571. Kelsey has shared more photos of her design work that you'll want to see and I'll share links to her social places as well. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Storic Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. You'll save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot system and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. And thank you to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, 
providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh-cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. Learn more at CAFGS.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than 876,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show and our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brinlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then. Mm-hmm.